Hi, I'm Joe. And this is Ricky. And this is Season 3, Episode 23 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast, supposed to come out on November 23rd, 2020. And we're switching it up a little bit because it's the second to last episode of um, the season. It's also uh, right before Black Friday and Thanksgiving. So, you know, we're in America. Those of you that are outside of America, we've got a holiday coming up called Thanksgiving. Um, so we're just going to probably talk a little bit about that stuff. Um, so just bear with us, please. But first, we're going to talk about uh, Balconis Baby Blue. So this is a whiskey. Uh, I got it for free from Flaviar because it, it, it's, so it's not, not like a promotion or anything like that. They're, they're not... They didn't send it to me for a review sample. This is something that was part of my subscription to Flaviar, um, but it's a uh, pot distilled corn whiskey, which is 46% ABV, um, and it's a Texas whiskey, which is really interesting. I follow this um, this you know vlog thing, uh, the Whiskey Tribe and the Whiskey Vault, uh, but they're Texas distilled distillers that do like a podcast and they also have um a whiskey psalm school that we've kind of referred to in the past they love this stuff so i was like okay well i have to get my hands on it and uh on the back it says a true texas original the first texas whiskey under the market since prohibition uh, baby blue is crafted from roasted texas blue corn the rich and oily maize adds new sophistication to the corn whiskey tradition while keeping the freshness and verve, verve, I have no idea. That's a new word. I'm going to have to look that up. V-E-R-V-E, -E, verve of classic American distilling. Uh, intentionally youthful, baby blue captures the essence of this prized corn with a round nuttiness, roasted overtones, and refined complexity. The mouthfeel is, is uh, viscous with a soft finish. Um, and I, I, you know, I've, I'm going to admit I've already had some before, so I already kind of know how it tastes. But uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it now, Ricky. It's pretty good. It's a lot lighter than the ones we tried last time. You know, it's got some sweetness to it. A little bit of like brown sugar, dark fruit, apricot sort of thing. Um, got some nice, like at the end, some good cinnamon. And then like some earthiness. Maybe that's like mint or something like that. But it's a lot more, I guess, like fruity and herbal than I was expecting it to be. It is very fruity and herbal without having the um, spice, uh, this peppery spice of a rye whiskey, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I had a sip while you were drinking it, and there's definitely some caramelly sugar in there. Um, and coming off the founders that we did last episode, because, you know, we do these things kind of in a batch. So I just had some founders, even though I cleared my palate with water. I still, it brought out the sweetness of that maple syrup. <laughs> um, but I, the way I like this is with a drop of water in it, uh, because I feel like it brings some of that oil out. And I just put a drop of water in it. Um, and, and it really does. It brings some of those muted flavors back out so you get some of the the more cinnamon flavors coming to the surface um it brings some of the, some of those other things just on the nose it it's also beautiful uh, and, and i love 
uh, just the clarity of it. And when I sniff it, when I'm just, you know, breathing it in, um, I get all these nice uh, aromas that are very, they're traditional, but they're also very, um, uh, it's, it's unique to something that I think I would only get from Texas because of the, the climate change. The constant, it gets really colder, it gets much colder at night, and it's uh, warmer during the day, uh, you know, kind, kind of deal. Um, and it, like in North Carolina, you know, you may have one day that's 45 degrees Fahrenheit, the, and then the next day it's 77 or 90, um, especially in the, the winter and fall time periods. You know, you get, you get these drastic weather changes, and that affects the wood, so... Really, I find it to be really interesting um, compared to something like um, the, what was the last one that we did? Was that, uh, that, that was the Raspberry Sour, Session Sour. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the, uh, the Ardbeg Anoa, uh, which is a peated scotch or Rider's Tears, which is also, you know, um, something like that and then you know we had talked about the um the, the the other whiskey that we had had with that uh as kind of a comparison this is unique from all of them um and right now i can't pull out some of the flavors that i normally do because i think uh, the last time i was thinking like some of the the fruit that i could that i could taste there i'm just getting maple syrup <laughs> because of the the maple maple syrup flavor on my tongue um what are some other things that you're getting out of it? Mm, I mean, the light notes, I might have to take another sip, but it's got a fruitiness that I'm, like, struggling to place. Like, it's not the kind of traditional, you know, just a lot of things have, like, a dried apricot sort of taste. But this has got a little something extra. It's almost, like, a little tropical-y. Like, I wouldn't say it's, like, as citrusy as pineapple, but it's somewhere in that kind of, like, realm which is kind of pleasant. I can't taste it as well plain, but a little water in it that really comes out. Yeah. Um, so I, I just cleansed my mouth with some um, uh, some water to try to cleanse the palate. And I am getting, um, you're right, like some light citrus fruits, like maybe a, a lemon or a lime, but not a lot, just like a little bit like the zest of a lemon, like kind of what you... When you express the oil of a lemon or an orange or a lime over something, how you can get that kind of flavor, I kind of get it out of this. I don't know if that's an intended thing, but that's just what I'm getting. Mm. Also, I was making some pie mint the other day, <laughs> or not pie mint, uh, fruit. Well, it's just a, it's a mellow mel essentially. But I was making some, and it um, it's it, it was um, special, and so I've got some of those flavors in my nose. Yeah, I, I love this stuff. I think it's great. I can understand why um, the guys from the Whiskey Tribe say that it's so good. Um, it really it's that that sweetness that you wouldn't expect from just a corn whiskey. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, anyways, so uh, coming right off that and talking about stuff. Um, recently, I, I grew another year older. And, uh, you know, probably not quite as wise as I once was, but, um, so 
I got a smoking, a cocktail smoking kit. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking after this, I'm going to take some of this Balconis and uh, catch that thing on fire, <laughs> put the glass over it. Because that, that's how that kit works is basically you get a, a wood stave. And this one's from a bourbon barrel. So it's mm-hmm. a, like a bourbon whiskey barrel. You use a blowtorch or like a, a hand torch and you um, fire fire up the the um, the wood, get it smoking. And then, or you can put some chips in it and smoke mm-hmm. those. Put a glass over the top of it. Let the smoke go into the glass. And then you pour your, your cocktail into it or your whiskey or whatever. And you have that as a smoked whiskey, like a freshly smoked whiskey. And that can give you some some of the same effects like Pete does in a whiskey, yep. but without like, I'm super excited to try this thing. I haven't yet. Uh, I kind of thought about putting this episode off and being like, Ricky, man, next weekend, you got to come over. We're going to smoke some cocktails. and But I think I'm just going to have you come over and we'll have like a couple of cigars, smoke some cocktails. It'll be fun. Um, so... But, uh, yeah, that's the thing. And I'm going to start getting into it. And by next season, when we come in, I'm going to figure out how to do that. And I'm going to have like a full report. This is what you do. This is how you do it. This is how much fun it is. This is what kind of flavors I got out of it. Like all that stuff. Uh, I'm going to go whole hog in on this. Yeah. I had a smoked rum cocktail once. That was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of, kind of what I'm thinking about doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, figuring out how to do some smoked cocktails and just just bring that in. So there you go. Um, here's one I know that's near and dear to your heart. Um, porn was banned in Thailand, and uh, their VPN usage went up about six hundred forty four percent. So <laughs> I just I I I I saw this and I was like, this is so ridiculous. There is no way that I can't bring this up and yeah. talk to you about it. <laughs> Um, but well, Thailand's I, been heading that way for a while. Thailand's got some really interesting government stuff going on. They do. They definitely do. And and admittedly, um, they they have like a weird. Um, well, I don't follow it as closely as I probably should. Uh, but they also have like a weird. They're fairly conservative on like all these things. But then they're almost militantly liberal on all these other things, right? Um, and and what I mean by that is they have, like, some things that they have, like, no tolerance for whatsoever. Um, uh, just kind of like the Philippines do, you know, like about some things. Or, or Iceland or something like that. And some of those things are more like liberal issues that they have no tolerance for. But they address them in a very conservative way. Um it, if you you get what I'm saying, and I think this yeah. is this is kind of one of those things uh, where it's like, yeah, may, may, maybe this isn't such a a liberal issue, but this is one of those things. It's just like, what and wh- how why? <laughs> yeah, so I expect probably where this came from is for like the last ten fifteen years they've been cracking down more and more and more on like sex work because Thailand got kind of a bad reputation for like Bangkok and sex tourism and stuff like that. So they started policing that harder and harder and harder. And they started making like certain cities like tourists couldn't go to. So like people were checking ID on the way in the way out and like that stuff, those bars started getting shut down 
and it's like you can still serve food like we still wanted to be a touristy place but you got to get rid of all the you know prostitutes trippers and stuff like that and this is probably at some level an extension of that of them trying to clean up this reputation for you know that sort of lifestyle i think i i believe that is exactly it um i i think the politics aside <laughs> the technology side of it where vpn is dead long live vpn you know like that sort of thing and yeah. just like the mainstream is just really hitting up on vpn as a way to get around some of these restrictions which i don't love and uh the reason i don't love that is i i don't think that encryption and vpn should become the way that people that are probably doing things that they shouldn't be doing and i i, I, don't, I really don't care if people are looking at porn but if they're doing things like hurting children or something like that that's bad right mm. vpn being able being used to do things like that probably not a good thing right um so I, I thought this was hilarious because of just the way the title is, you know, <laughs> porn band VPN usage goes up. Yeah. The, the, this, there could be uh, correlation without causation going on there. Cause I read through the article that, and a couple other articles when I was researching this and um, they all seem to correlate that to being the cause because it happened at the same time. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of things that are happening in the world right now that people yeah. may like working from home or, or, or things like that. And they may be using VPN for other reasons. Um, so I, I don't want to say that that's all the reason, but uh, it definitely is kind of a, for, a funny correlation um, is, yeah. just on the surface. Um, so... <sighs> Ricky, we've, we've never really used bottling buckets too much, have we? Um, Most of the time we do. We have been in a couple of situations, but... I, I have never used a bottling bucket. I have always used a bucket to bottle from. And I learned the difference recently. And I was like, that is... I didn't realize that that's what that was for. Um, so, you know the buckets with the spigots in them, right? Mm-hmm. So that, so if you get a five gallon bucket with a spigot in it, it's for you to transfer your liquid over to, and then from there bottle from that using, without using an auto siphon for bottling. Uh, and I, and I was, I was like, okay, I, I get this, this makes sense. But then like, I kind of realized the, the brilliance of it because you don't like everything's gravity fed. You don't have to um, like worry about running out of uh, suck, uh, like uh, suction or anything like that. You just tilt your bucket a little bit when when it stops running through, and it'll just add some more in. And I, I, so I was watching. Okay, let me back up a little bit and tell you the story of this. Uh, there's this uh, right recently there there was this uh, run that Flora Brewing is doing. She's a um, a YouTuber who does tutorials on how to brew and make beer and things like that. And, and I watched just a, a bunch of different people, man-made mead, city standing brews, flora brewing. Um, oh, what is that other guy's name? He does mead and beer. Um, so there's like five or six people that are like my main ones. And then I just kind of watch stuff that's like kind of like in a word cloud around them. Right. Um, but she's, she is kind of on this journey of learning 
Um, and so she, she's talked about, um, you get a, a, a first brew kit and then they give you, you know, malt extract and things like that stuff that I've already kind of, I went from the hard stuff and I'm going back to the easy stuff now because I'm really trying to learn how to do these beer, um, experiments that I've been trying to do and understand what I'm doing with them and everything. Um, so she, she's kind of going through this thing. If you're a first time brewer, you've never done it before. This is what you can do by buying a kit and doing it. And as part of that, she's gone to like the bottling phase of that, that kit that she set up. And I was just blown away by how she used the bottling bucket. <laughs> it, 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 it's so simple. It just, it, 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 she basically transferred her brew to it. Same thing I do for all of my other brews, but instead of using a racking cane to, um, to bottle and, and I have this happen at least once every time I'll break the seal, um, when it gets down towards the bottom and then it just kind of wastes like maybe a half a bottle's worth of brew because I can't get the seal to start back up. Right. Um, and then, and it starts, starts stirring up the lease and everything, or, you know, maybe, you know, some, something like that happens. Well, in, in her, her fermenter didn't have, um, a spigot on it. I don't think it might, it might have had it, but the bottling bucket did. And so when, um, I get, I get to that point, I don't have to worry about that because the bottling bucket will just allow that brew to go on out. And I just, I, I thought through it and I was like, ah, I got, they're only like 15 bucks. I should just buy one. Um, it's kind of like the cart, like the, I, I got my ginger beer to uh, carb and, um, you know, our, our buddy Rob, he, uh, I, I think he still listens to this podcast. He helped, he helped me out with it. Uh, so shout out to Rob. Awesome. One of the, one of the original beer and broadbanders. Um, but he, uh, you know, he kind of helped me understand how to do the carbonation, right. Um, while we were just kind of talking through, um, stuff like, like D and D and stuff like that. And, um, I, I didn't, I haven't quite gone full carb kit, but I was able to take and just put something together. It worked and it was awesome, uh, because I was able to carb my, my last ginger beer, um, which I'm going to make another one pretty soon and, and probably give you, I'm, I think I'm going to make it like a five gallon batch. I'm probably going to give you some since you liked it so much last time. Um, I was just making sure I had my, um, my recipe down uh, before I do that. But, uh, yeah, dude, carbonation life send when it, when you've got the right equipment, right? Oh, yeah, uh, same, good thing, stuff. same thing with a bottling bucket. We really need to revisit the bottling bucket. <laughs> now, maybe someday if I have more room, but I've made very conscious decisions never to buy one in that style. And the issue is if you get a good one, they'll stay sealed for a little while, but you can never really brew with them. You know, they're not designed for that. Those seals aren't tight enough to hold five or six gallons of liquid for long periods of time. So it just becomes a piece of equipment in my house that I can only use for like 15 minutes during the bottling phase and then it has to get packed up and just sits there. You know, I already have to have the siphon to rack over in the secondary. So that's why I just use the siphon to bottle as well. I, I totally get it. And for, for wine, I, well, I'll try it and I'll, I'll come back to you. I will let you know how this turns out. And if it turns out to be amazing, I, I have a theory on how to do this without it becoming like a big problem. Um, 
And so we'll, we'll revisit this like later, I think, but I, I think we might have, uh, might have a, a good, a yeah. good, a good solution. Well, yeah. I mean, I know they work. Like, I'm not trying to say that they don't do what they do. They absolutely do. You know, and a lot of people use them for bottling because I've always had such a limited amount of space to keep equipment in. I didn't want a bucket that I couldn't actively keep full all the time or, you know, it, because of the spigot, it won't stack as well with some of the other ones and stuff like that. But when I have more room, I'll probably definitely get one. And you've got a lot of room, so it makes a lot of sense for you to get one. Well, I, I, I have more room than you do, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking more like on the smaller side two gallon um and then sealing it up the same way a plumber does so like i've got i've got an idea and if the idea works out um it may be that you don't have to um compromise uh on on certain things so we'll, we'll see we'll just we'll see I, i'm i'm gonna I'm, I'm just gonna hold that right there uh, because you know it may may come back around to something good, or it may be a total disaster. Uh, either way, we'll report on it. But um, I've got to like get all the materials and stuff and put it together. But I'm thinking modular, and I'm thinking quick release. So take that as you will. <laughs> um, so let, let's talk about uh, move away from brewing for a few minutes, uh, and and porn, uh, and let's talk about. Some maybe some good things because this is going to come out right before Black Friday. And look, I don't encourage Black Friday, but a lot of people do shopping for um, stuff right before, um, you know, right after Thanksgiving meal. They do shopping for Christmas right after Thanksgiving meal. So um, I'm just curious if you have any picks of things that people should kind of be watching out for if they got something good um, to to maybe give a gift to a techie in their lives. Um, so I've got a couple in my mind, but I didn't know if maybe you had some in yours. I know you got a few things recently that were fairly awesome. Yeah. Mm, I mean, not too much. The thing with techies is they, they generally own the stuff they really want. So in terms of like big gifts, like you can get a few savings on this. I don't see those as much unless, you know, They've got something like a wish lister. You know, there's something they're looking for. Um, I'll admit, I have always enjoyed the kind of like novelty, like USB sticks, stuff like that. I feel like that's still one of those things that you can never have too many of because you want to like logically separate a lot of your media. So like I've got flash drives that are specifically for diagnostic purposes. You know, I've got one that has like my wedding pictures on it. I want to put other stuff on that one. So, you know, I've got a couple cute little little ones I've gotten over the years from other people, from various people that I think I keep kind of fond. It's like the one, uh, there's like this little curly one that we got at like an aquarium. That's the one I've got the wedding photos on because, you know, me and Alice bought that together in an aquarium, you know, it helps people, I don't know, connect to what the device is. If you have like a whole bunch of just Samsung and they're all the exact same black color, all the same size, unless you label them, you don't know exactly what's what. So I kind of like having almost like the keychain of a couple different types. So I think that's brilliant. Like not novelty flash drives that you don't have to label. You just know what they are by the novelty. So like I have a Darth Vader one and I just know that that's a four gig flash drive that I can use for OS upgrade updates and stuff like that on my Linux systems. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have like a, a, a red and black one that looks kind of like a race race car, and I have one that's a transformer and stuff like that. Totally agree with that. Um, those are great. Um, I think I think there's two other things that you can kind of add on that. Techies love USB hubs, um, and getting like a USB three hub or a, a combination USB hub switcher. Um, for like, if they have multiple computers. So if it's somebody, you know, has a laptop and a desktop, but they only have one set of monitors, having a USB switcher allows them to switch their, uh, a lot of times they already have a system for switching their, um, their, you know, monitor, like they may have like tap on the monitor to switch it or whatever, but a, uh, a USB switcher, like a USB two or a USB three switcher mm-hmm. or a USB two or a USB hub perfect things for that sort of stuff because it allows them to easily move between the different computers. Yep. Um, I love this uh, wireless keyboard that I have. It's a Logitech um, K400R, and I use it for managing my computer to my TV set, and I think it's only like 30 bucks or something. Um, I've had but it's been around for years. I'll tell you something else that, um, you know, regardless of whether you're looking for a sale, so I'm not, I'm not promoting Black Friday here. I'm just saying, hey, if you're thinking about buying some gifts for somebody, these are good things. The two things that nobody ever gets me for like Christmas or my birthday, but if they got them for me, they're the super practical gifts that I would love to have, and I use them all the time. Every time I build a computer, I use these. They're these um, little magnetic disc, uh, dishes that I can stick to the side of a computer or on like a metal table or something, and they'll hold all my screws and keep them from like falling out. Those things are amazing. Um, They're they're just awesome. And like little screwdrivers and things like that, like the iFixit screwdrivers and stuff, those aren't very expensive. You can get like little kits for like 10 or 20 bucks that are very similar to them. Those are amazing. Um, like anything like that, anytime I can get a couple extra spudgers, you know, things like that fantastic stuff to get because uh, like and no matter what project you've got going on you can use those things right yeah. um and then if you're going like a little bit more pricey and you're just looking for something that somebody can can use that's like a techie um if you can afford to spend 100 or 120 bucks on them i bet if you gave them a unify hd or a microtech ap or, or even a cisco ap they would love it. <laughs> Giving them an access point that they can use in their house or a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> Raspberry Pis are amazing little computers. Um, I, the, I I can't tell you how many times like I've gone to buy you a Christmas present and I've had like the choice between like a Raspberry Pi and something that has to do with like brewing or or something like that. And I've been like, mm, which which is the two. Which is the one that I'm gonna get for get for me? <laughs> <laughs> so, like you know, like I, Raspberry Pis are awesome, um, and I, and I think that we 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 talk about them like you know people will get them for for people, but uh, whether it's a Raspberry Pi three or a Raspberry Pi four, you can put you can make a file server off of them or, or something like that. So, uh, people just can use those devices, and they're fairly inexpensive, anywhere from thirty five to you know, $75 generally, um, for depending on which model you get. So just throwing that out there, you know, USB sticks, great, uh, little dishes to keep little parts for your computers, uh, like screws and stuff like that. Awesome. Um, the, uh, you know, raspberry Pis are great. 
little uh, little kits that you can get for like fixing stuff. And and you know we're talking about techie people here. Um, there's also uh, this uh, depending on whether you're a Windows or a um, uh, a Mac user. There's like software that you could buy that people would love. So like um, if somebody if somebody doesn't use Brevi and they're a Windows Windows user and but they they're constantly typing and they're always doing stuff like you know responding to emails or something that is something that does autofill for you and you can do a lot of automation around that uh, around like um you know being able to deploy um your um uh, uh a response like kind of canned so like let's say that you're constantly responding to something like Yes, thank you very much. Uh, my email address is this, and my uh, phone number is this, and my physical address is this. You can just have that set up as like dot dot phy or something like that, and then it'll just deploy all that into an email that you're you're doing. And there's similar email programs that do something similar, but when you're when you're wanting like a breadth of thing that works across a lot of different stuff, you could you can have that. So, uh, the, uh, software is out there is, is a little bit more personal though. So, I generally don't suggest just buying software for just anybody. But yeah, yeah, might be a thing. So, um, is there anything else that you can think of that would be like kind of a fun thing to get somebody, especially like working from home and us being kind of locked down right now, like what are some good things that you can just buy online and just throw in like stocking stuffers, stuffers like candy uh, for people? Yeah, so you already saw one of mine. Those little screwdriver sets is one of the things I love to put in little stocking stuffers for tech people. Because it's one of those things that we all agree we need and most of us had to at some point. But the issue with like the really small screwdrivers is they're easy to lose. So you'll yep. be doing a repair. Oh, well, out of my set of six, I've got five left. Who knows where that one went? They um they sell ones that I like that uh they're a little bit more expensive, but I think they're still only like twenty bucks. It's a ratcheting magnetic screwdriver that all of the little bits fit inside the screwdriver. So you like you take the handle off and it's got all the, the bits at the end, then they just snap back together. I've done a lot better job keeping track of that. Yeah. Those those are awesome. Um they sell those like at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, those are those are fantastic. So what else? Hmm. On the tech angle, you, you've got to hit me out. What I another thing I like to do for tech people is find out like what their secondary hobby is, and buy them that stuff. Like I like to like go out to like the ABC store, get you like a good whiskey, things like that. Because what I have fallen to in my life, being the tech person in my family, is I just get all these tech kits. Which sometimes, oh, that's that's cool. I've gotten some good ones. Love those USB sticks. But I've had people buy me software. I'm like, oh, that's a cool application. I'm not going to use this over the one I normally use. Uh, what did somebody get me one? I had somebody get me a uh, a Windows installed USB. But they didn't they didn't realize you needed like a, a key for it. So they bought me this like eighty dollar USB stick that had like Windows fantastic. 10 on it. But no, no real keys to set it up. Or it was like OEM. It was like an install one sort of thing. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Thanks. Um, so I like to kind of dig in and be like, look, I, I'll get you maybe one little tech thing. Maybe like the stocking stuff or the USB. And then, you know, 
this other thing that people don't think about as much. Maybe it's just me. I get a lot of alcohol as gifts sometimes. Like last Christmas, I went to my family. We hit the ABC store. I bought some really nice stuff for people. Because especially in like the holidays, I feel like that's something you can like immediately enjoy. Like maybe you'll love those slippers I bought you. And maybe you won't. But I know you will love this rum chata. You know? And then everyone kind of gets to sit around and drink over the holidays and stuff like that. That's a good point. I, I, I think when, when I was thinking of like techie stuff, I was thinking, you know, people that are maybe a little bit more nerdy and they like, they like technology and, and things like that. I mean, heck, if somebody gave me and, and, and I'm very unique in these things, but if somebody gave me an old Commodore that they picked up off eBay that maybe halfway mm-hmm. worked and I, it was like a project kit that I could do, I'd love that. I'm not suggesting that as a gift though. Um, but you know, that, that can be fun. Um, the, but you know, you can always find like, um, the mini PCs and stuff like that, that are like under a hundred bucks that you could buy. Mm. Um, it, it, it always depends. Like, is this just somebody that's in your family? Is it your spouse? You know, you're probably willing to spend more money on somebody as time go, goes along, but you do bring up a good point. Knowing what their secondary hobby is, is good. Like the, um, the bespoke uh, gift that you gave me last last year was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Had the uh, the um, uh, uh, the hot sauce in it and the and the cigars and like some of the other things. The bitters, oh man, those bitters, dude. I'm still using them. They are fantastic. Yeah, I still anyway. got mine sitting around. Yeah, I've, I've been making uh, Godfathers and they go really well in the Godfather mm-hmm. drink. So yeah, I, I just uh, bespoke is a good is a good good thing to do. Um, but the, there's also things like, um, you know, sometimes I need an extra cell line to test out a phone. And if somebody just gave me like a prepaid Ting um, plan for like a month, that would be like wonderful. It'd be fun. I, I wouldn't have to do anything with it. And I could like hook one of my cell phones up to it and see if having two lines was fun or something like that, you know, because I have like multiple phones that I that I use. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, I, I know that there's other people out there like that get into keyboards, um, you know, and so giving them like some keycaps that maybe they don't have would be fun. I, I, I like mechanical keyboards, but I haven't quite built one yet. So that's something that maybe in the next two years I'm going to do. I, I'm going to build one mechanical keyboard in my lifetime, um, you know, so. Those are some things, but I think that that starts getting off into that area of like, oh, you have to really, this isn't just a general nerd tech gift. This is like, you have to really know what this person likes, or you have to know something about them. Like what you guys are doing for me, you know, uh, for this last, you know, kind of, I got older <laughs> day, um, that that's, that's awesome. And it's going to be a, like a fantastic experience, you know, where I get to play something that I've always wanted to play a, a, a module in D and D, but my wife is like going through converting it to fifth edition and like doing all this amazing stuff. And that's awesome. Like just fantastic. So gifts like that, I think really those kind of hone into like specific personalities and uh, the good things that you can do there. So but yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. Old TV shows are kind of a good thing too. They're, it's really cheap to buy them on DVD or Blu-ray now. And if somebody you know like loves Star Trek or something like that, that'd be a good thing to get for a nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, 
Well, I, I think I think we've exhausted that. Do you have any other gift ideas? No, I think that's it. Okay. Well, then, in that case, this has been Season 3, Episode 23 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. Uh, and we'll see you next time. We hope you have a great Thanksgiving and uh, happy holidays. <laughs>